Dennis Lowe is coming up right now to uh, speak with us. You remember him from Valley Church. Everyone give him a hand. So I called him and I said, uh, Hawaii theme, Dennis. Okay, we're going Hawaii here this morning. He's going to speak with us this morning. Well, good morning, everyone. Greetings from Valley Church. They've been keeping me so busy I haven't been able to make it over here. But you know, it's nice to be able to walk to church. So I walked here this morning. Uh, it's nice not to have to drive and all that. So I'm glad to be here today. And I hear Dave is becoming a father to the fatherless, right? And that's why he asked me to come here with uh, with his wife. I think both of them are there. Okay. I see the picture of Africa here. But that's exciting. And he asked me to come and, and uh, fill in for him this Sunday. And I thought today I'd talk about fatherhood because what? What's today? Okay, so uh, I want to talk about fatherhood. I'm going to share a few things about fatherhood that I found true from Scripture. It's not going to be an exhaustive look on this topic, but I share a few things that have been meaningful to me. Now, I share these things as one who is a fellow learner. I don't think I've arrived, but I'm always improving and learning how to be a better father. So that's what I'm going to be talking about this morning. And so in a way, this message is for those who are fathers and those who will be future fathers. This message is also for those who are married to fathers and who will be mar- married to husbands who are fathers <laughs> and those who will be one day be married to guys who will become fathers. Now, I know that everybody fits into one of these categories. For the rest of us, how do you help those in that situation become better at that? So it relates to everybody this morning. So let me pray and ask the Lord to continue to teach us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to look into your word, to be here, to ultimately sit at your feet, our Heavenly Father. And so teach us this morning. I thank you for the privilege that we have to sing songs of worship to you. Thank you for the worship team, Rob, who uh, led us in some great music. And we pray that you continue... uh, not to be in our midst because we know you're already there and here. But we pray that you teach us in our hearts what it means to be better than what you called us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I think back at my father. I think back of a quality that he showed in his life to me. And this is what I thought of. Let me get this thing down. I think the, the quality, the, the characteristic, the role that my father Filled was that of a, of a provider. Now, in Scripture, it says this. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worth than any unbeliever. And so even in Scripture, it talks about providing for your family. And so one quality I think of when I think of fatherhood is my dad, who was a provider. He provided for all of us, and sometimes it's helpful to understand their background. So my father is from China. He came here when he was 16 years old. And so when he came here, he didn't speak a lick of English. And so when he came here, they put him in a fifth-grade classroom, 16-year-old. What's 16-year-old? That's a sophomore in high school. Okay, fifth grade. You're still a little smaller, right? So he had to fit himself into these small chairs when he first came to the United States and tried to learn English. After a little while in uncomfortable seating, he just gave up. A little while later, he joined the army. 
And so he fought in World War II. And when he was joined, when he joined the army, he was assigned to Patton's division. Now, I didn't know this until many years later that he was, you know, fought into George Patton. I don't think he ever shook the guy's hands or anything, but he was in there. And so I can't remember that one movie called Patton. Have you ever seen that? I mean, you can know who George Patton is. Okay, go look it up. Go Google search it or something like that. Great. <laughs> I feel like in some ways he's a, a good leader. Foul mouth, yes. But uh, he had some qualities of a leader. And my dad was in his division. Ultimately, in high school, he passed his high school equivalency exam. Actually, I think his sergeant took the test for him. That's what he told me a little later on. Anyway, he got his uh, diploma, came back, went back to China, got married, and came back and, you know, had four kids. I'm one of them. I'm the youngest. But one of the things that my dad did was he worked hard. In fact, one of the things that amazed me, he put four kids through college. Not just four kids through college, but all of us four were in college at the same time. Try doing that today. And so he worked two jobs. and mom worked the, the graveyard shift at the cannery. They provided. And that's one thing that really characterized my dad. He provided for all of us. Something else he did. In his 35 years working in a cannery here in uh, Silicon Valley, he never was late. He never took a sick day off. Obviously, he never related that to me. So I never got that gene or something like that. So anyway, um, fatherhood. You know, it's interesting, this most important task that we as fathers have, we didn't get a degree for. I don't ever remember going to college to learn how to be a father. One April day, in fact, one April Fool's Day, I became a father. Now, I told my son, don't come out today. But like characterized much of his life after that, he came out anyway. So he's an April Fool's baby. My daughter. I became a father again when my daughter was born. Actually, the doctor said, oh, you're going to have another son. And so the whole time, you know, we painted the room blue kind of like this. And we got, you know, we were saying, hey, we're going to save a lot of money. Why? Because, you know, first son, second son, you can just get the hand-me-downs. So I was going to save a lot of money. During the uh, birth, God performed a miracle. He changed the sex of the baby, and out comes my daughter. And to me, that was one of the most surprising events in all my life. I, mean, I was speechless. In fact, they asked, what's her name? I, uh, 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 I didn't know. Couldn't think of a name. Is this okay? Okay. So, I became a father. I didn't go to school to be a father. I didn't really take that many classes on those weird birthing classes. I took those. You know, I took, you know, how to handle a baby and all that, but for the major task, the most important role that I was going to play, I don't really remember studying that hard for it. So that's why I wanted to relate to you about fatherhood today, this most important role that you and I will take. He's a provider. He provides physically. But there's also a spiritual element that he provides for. So a husband, a father, he's a, he's a provider, but if you want to fill in the blank, he's also a minister. He's also a minister. Ephesians 6, 4 says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now back in April, you all remember that Dave gave a message on this, so I'm just going to breeze over this. I think you all remembered it and took it to heart in our practicing, 
100%, right? Okay, so I'll just kind of cover this. But just in case you didn't, let me just kind of cover it over again. I believe that a, a father not only provides physically, but also spiritually for his family. In a way, he's a minister. And this passage says something negative not to do. Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't provoke them to anger. Don't have so many rules that there's no way your children can meet up to the standards. And I've talked to high school students, junior hires, and I work with them. One of the things they hate most, favoritism and comparing them to an older brother or a better-looking cousin or somebody who's academically better. They hate being compared. Oh, why don't you study harder like your you know, nephew Joe or something like that? They hate that. And so don't compare. Don't show favoritism. Don't exasperate them. Don't make unreasonable demands on them. And it's interesting that this passage tells us to, in a way, be mindful of the feelings of our kids. Now remember, when Paul was writing this, he's talking to a very patriarchal society. In a way, the father was God. He was the one everybody listened to. But here, when we get to the gospel, he's saying something a little different. He says this, do not exasperate your children, be mindful of their feelings. Well, this is a major change uh, for that culture of the time. He goes on stay this in this passage. Instead, in contrast to not exasperating your children, do this. Bring them up, rear them, nourish them, both physically and spiritually. Nourish them. It goes on to say, nourish them, bring them up in the training of the Lord. One of the responsibilities of fathers to help develop, nourish our children in a spiritual manner. That's something that sometimes I believe we, we give that to the church to do. The church only has children for what? A couple hours a week. The person who is to nourish the children, family, and really begins with the father. Train them how to make right decisions. Instruct them on what is right and what is wrong. That's one of our tasks, to train them in God's ways. It also goes on to say in this passage, instruct them from the Lord. And so when they are wrong, talk to them. There's this element of correction. Yeah, if we don't provoke them, but it doesn't mean that we don't discipline and tell them when they're off base. And my philosophy of children, of child, of children's ministry, of student ministry, and I, I believe Ben probably would concur with me, we're not raising children raising adults. Now, they might start as babies, and they might go through infancy and adolescence and all that, but my perspective is we're training adults. We're training them so that when they go away, they'll be able to make the right decisions. Think about this. Some of you, when your kid grows up or has grown up, when they go away to college and they're living in a dorm or apartments, they can do anything they want. And you might not be able to know or control what they do. And so all the training that you've done when they're young comes to a head. I believe this idea of training them and instructing them in the Lord is training them to make right decisions. So that when they're alone, when they're faced with issues, they can make the right decisions on their own. He's a minister. He shepherds them. 
He helps them along in their Christian faith. I like this idea of shepherd because it, it has this idea that we care for them, direct them, but in a way they're not our own. Here's another passage that helps me with this idea of ministering to them. Realize that our children are really a gift from God. Behold, children are a gift from God, a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gates. Children, they're a blessing, a gift from God. And so if I see my children as not my own, but a gift from God, I'm going to care for them and not necessarily own them as mine, but realize that they're a gift from God for a time being. Let's care for them. Let's train them. Let's instruct them in the Lord. Fathers, your ministers, your shepherds. Something else a father is. He's also a model. Now, when I talk about being a model, I, you know, I don't think of a, you know, guys walking down the runway and all that. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. What a terrible view. I hate to be that. He's a model. Turn your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6, because I want to look at this passage for a little while. Now, yes, this passage in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is in the Old Testament, but realize it's just as relevant today because Jesus also quoted this verse when asked about the greatest commandments. And so not only is it relevant for the Old Testament or just to the children of Israel, it's also relevant today. And this passage is one of those very important passages that oftentimes in Jewish synagogues, these six verses are recited every morning and every evening. It's called the Shama, or here, because that's what it begins with. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength. How does a father, first of all, model? What does he model? He models a love, first and foremost, for God and God alone. Through his lifestyle, through his conduct, through his behavior, as well as his speech and his teaching, fathers are to model the Christian life to his family. I found that oftentimes there's pairs of eyes watching me. And if you're a father, you understand that your children are watching you. They're watching the way you drive. Well, that's a terrible thing to do. They're watching the way you speak. They see how you handle different situations. They see how you're doing when you're buying groceries. Our kids are watching us. And so if you're saying one thing, but you're behaving another way, what message are they going to get? Fathers. Fathers are models. First and foremost, they model a hunger for the Lord. I love the way that says it here in verse 6. These commandments, uh, verse 5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. What we model as fathers? A heart and passion for God. A love for God that comes from out inside, outward. It's a love. And I know we don't always talk about fatherhood in terms of love for God, 
But I believe this is the most important thing that we are to model for our children. That we have a passion, a flame to know our God better. And hopefully they'll catch that. They'll learn that. They'll develop that personal, intimate walk with God. As fathers, we model passion for God. Another thing we also do, verse 6, we also model a passion for God's Word. We study it, we digest it, and as a result, we live it out. What's it say in verse 6? These commandments I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. We're to be in the Word. It doesn't mean that we carry it around and read it all and recite it all to everybody who comes. If you do that, you're going to be fired from your job. But what I'm saying is, we treasure it. Kind of like what that passage says, Thy word have I treasured in my heart that I might sin, not, might not sin against thee. And so, one of the things that we as fathers do, we model not just a passion for God, but also a hunger for His word. And so we need to get into it. We need to tie it, as it says here. When we sit down, when we rise up, goes on to say this. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. And I like this idea that we are to tie them as symbols on our hands and bind them on our foreheads. It's kind of like a GPS. Now, I wrote down my notes first, maps. How many of you know how to read a map? You know what a map is? You know that thing that you kind of fold out? You know. Well, I was traveling this last summer with some college students, international students. I volunteered to drive one of them back to Chicago. Actually, not to Chicago. Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. And so we were driving back there, and I brought all my AAA maps. And I folded them and opened them up and said, what's that? Because they didn't know what it was, because they all use GPS today. So maybe I need to update my notes to say, you know, this idea of binding them on our hands and bind them on our foreheads, it's kind of like the Word of God becomes your roadmap or your GPS that steers and guides you in the way you are to live. And the only way it's going to do that is if you read it, memorize it, meditate on it, and live it out in our lives. The role of a father, not just to have a passionate love for God, but also be in his Word in a way Pass it on to your children. Bind them. Put them on the door frames of your house. Talk about them with your kids. How do you do that? I think for me, let me go back one. Go back here. For me, allow your kids to question you about your faith. When I was living down in, in L.A., I was going to seminary down there, and I used to have to drive one hour uh, a day, one way to go to church. And so on Sunday mornings, we'd drive there, and afterwards, you'd drive an hour back. I lived in San Bernardino, California, and I had to drive our way to Hacienda Heights. So you kind of know the distance there. It's about an hour drive, about 55 miles. And so we used to drive the church. I'd give a sermon, and then I'd drive home. And the last thing I want to do when I'm driving home talk. I just want to vegetate and drive down Highway 10 on my own, even though my kids were in the car. And sometimes in the afternoon, the 49ers were playing. Now, this is back in the 90s. Remember the 90s? Any of you 
Remember, 90s. What were 49ers doing in the 90s, 80s, 90s? Winning, you know, uh, Super Bowl runs and all that. So I wanted to listen to the game, especially when it started around 1 o'clock. And so last thing I want to do is, you know, answer some of my son's questions. But he'd come up with questions when I'm driving home. Are there cars in heaven? Will grandma be there? You know, he'd ask these questions and, yeah, 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 yeah. Let me listen to the game. You know, that was my initial response. But I learned to, you know, sometimes pause. My wife is here so she can testify that sometimes, you know, I didn't want to answer it, but that's those, those, those are those good moments to capture to talk to your kids about spiritual matters. Not necessarily sit down and have the Bible to teach you type moments. Just a casual opportunity to talk to the kids about Christianity. One time we were listening to the radio. We heard about this girl that committed suicide, and he asked me, what's going to happen to her? Where shall, we, where shall she go? Teachable moment. So one of the ways that we model Christianity and God's word to our kids, develop in them a curiosity, a questioning spirit, so that they can ask you any time what's happening. Digest news, talk about it, ask you questions. Model it. Here's another point. Another role of a father. He's a manager. He's a manager. Turn back in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. And this is how the, the Bible doesn't say, be a good manager. What's it, what he says, or what the scripture says is this. As heads of the family, you need to be good managers. And he says this about leaders in the church. A leader must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him with proper, proper respect. Proper respect. He manages his own household well. This doesn't just mean financially, but that the kids are disciplined. Sometimes I find that in terms of this idea of discipline, it's given over to the mother to do. My view is both mother and father discipline their children together. And so it's not just one over another, or one is a good person, one is the bad person. I don't think that's a good thing to do. To me, in my perspective, is they both discipline together equally and have the same idea and philosophy of children raising and children discipline. A father, though, he is a manager. He manages with a trust in God and God himself. Here's a good passage from Psalm 127, 1 and 2. It says this in Psalm 127, 1 and 2. Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the, the watchman stands guard in vain. In vain you rise up early, stay up late, calling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. And so one of the ways that a father manages his household is dependent on God. He trusts in the Lord to help him to manage his family well. He understands his word, God's word, but he also cooperates with his wife to manage his household. I like this quote, and some of you might have heard it. The buck stops here. Now, that was a little plaque that Harry S. Truman had on this table. He was one of the presidents, and he was president during a very tumultuous time in United States history. But he had this plaque. Because he understood that when decisions need to be made, when things were going wrong, he was 
responsible. When we think of the father as a manager, think of him as the head of the family. He is responsible. The buck ultimately stops with him. Now, I read up that Harry S. Truman didn't come up with this quote. It actually came, they feel, from a guy in Stockton, California, who gave it to somebody else, who gave it to somebody else, ultimately it found its way to Harry S. Truman's desk. But he was the one who kind of made it more popular and famous. Idea of a father being a manager, he's the head. Doesn't mean he dictates everything. Ultimately, he takes responsibility for it. He collaborates with his wife. And sometimes people say this, the husband is the head, but the wife is the neck that turns the head. I don't know about that. What do you think? Is that kind of weird? Anyway, uh, but ultimately, the buck stops with him. He is responsible for the direction of the family and where the family goes. He's a manager. Listen, the last thing that I thought of, and sometimes this isn't thought of for being a good father, but I want to relate it, relate it anyway. Father is also a mate or a lover. When I was sharing this with somebody else, he thought, oh, I don't think a father should be a maid. No, it's not maid, it's mate. Now, that didn't sound alike, but much different. He's a mate. He's a lover. One of the best things that a father can do for his children, love their mother. Love their mother. Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I think Dave might have covered this, but it's a good reminder um, for us today. Turn to Ephesians chapter 5. It says this in verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so in, in this passage in, in chapter 5 of Ephesians, Apostle Paul has given us instructions on family, how we are to relate to one another. When he goes to talk about husbands, he actually uses nine verses. Now, let me ask you, how many verses does he use for the wife? Not one, more than one, three. Actually, three and a half if you want to count verse 20, 33. And actually, he repeats this command, this instruction to husband. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Now, look on to verse 28. Does that sound kind of familiar to 25? 28. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Kind of the same idea, but repeated it in a different way. Now I thought, okay, enough, Paul. <laughs> but he says the same thing again. Verse 33. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay, there's that wife part again. Three and a half verses on the wife. Nine verses on the husband. I don't know about you, but when someone repeats something, that means he's trying to stress a certain point. Husbands, love your wife. How? As Christ loved the church. So as fathers, we provide. We're ministers. Yes, we're managers. Yes, we are to provide for our families. But we're also to love our wives. One of the best demonstrations that we can give to our kids is the love of our wives. Let me close with this. Um, 
I will, I, I know I'm a father because this past year I had one of those great experiences. And so I got to watch my daughter graduate from college. Um, my back pocket feels even lighter already. <laughs> they raise these tuitions and you know, I get it. And I have two kids in college, so when they raise tuitions, I get it twice. So, but she graduated from San Jose State and it was just one of those moments where you see it and go, yeah. It just kind of fills your heart with gladness. Um, but a week later, she took an internship and she moved down to LA for the next 10 weeks. And I don't know why I took it kind of hard and heavy was, well, my daughter is leaving. And it just, you know, you know you're a father when you have a heavy heart when your daughter leaves. Now my son's still at home, so that's okay. But she wrote me a note. And, and I say this with all, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but she said, sent a Father's Day card. And, uh, it touched my heart, but I want to say, read part of it with all humility. Because a father as a model, as one who loves, um, my wife and all that, it's, it's a powerful thing. And, and I hope that you guys can able, are able to experience what my daughter gave to me as a blessing to me. She wrote a bunch of things. And, uh, this is what she says this. I thank God for giving me a wonderful, loving family. Okay, that's good. But then she said this, and it just kind of <clears throat> tugged on my heart. I'll be lucky if I find someone like you in my life. And I hope that as a model, as a minister, as a provider, all those things that you'll be able to get the same thing from your daughter um, one day if you have a daughter. If not, that's okay. God will bless you other way. Let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you for being a God who loves us. Thank you that uh, you've empowered us with your Holy Spirit to be good fathers, to encourage our fathers, and encourage those who are fathers in this church to be better at it. We thank you ultimately, Lord, that you gave us the greatest model. God, you are our Heavenly Father, and the way you demonstrate your love for us is sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to die for us, that for all who put their faith in you would not perish but have eternal life. Thanks for being a God who modeled sacrifice, love, being a provider, and all that. Thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.